Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Hey, turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. As I take a moment here and get my whole entire life together. (laughs) Romans chapter 8. Living in freedom. We're going to talk about living in freedom this morning. It's interesting. Uh, it's not interesting. It's, it's the hard truth about life. Kristen shares her story online. She said, my life became a cycle of revolving door relationships and bowing to the various idols I thought would satisfy my thirst. But bit by bit, I gave away my soul in an attempt to quench that thirst. What started out as fun ended up as a nightmare. Men, sex, relationships that led to more men, sex, and relationships. I suffered with eating disorders. I became an alcoholic and a heroin addict. I was abused. I began to lie, cheat, and steal. I was consumed with this lust. I used my knack for attracting men to make money through stripping and prostitution. You name it, she says, I did it. And in the process, sin sucked my soul completely dry. She said, I dug my own grave. I ran from myself and was consumed by the very things that I thought I controlled. My pride and shame refused to accept God's truth. Utterly hopeless, I was too scared to die and too weak to live. The sex, drugs, greed, lust, lies, anger and a ray of other draining addictions left me desperate and broken. Coming to a place where I can praise God for the disaster he allowed me to make out of my life can only come from a clear vision of his character and the beauty of redemption. That's why I shared her story, that one sentence. To know light, you must acknowledge the darkness. To be filled, you must recognize your inability to satisfy your own hunger. Her words, not mine. To truly experience the presence, glory, and love of God, you must first become acutely aware of your separation from it. Until I realized how very lost I was, I wasn't ready to cry out to be found. When I finally did turn from my self-appointed right to rule, the holy hands of my Savior reached down to touch me. I offered him my dirty, filthy rags. He robed me in righteousness and called me his bride. He took my rebellious heart and gave me his spirit. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. He crushed death and gave me new life. He whispered, forgiven, so that I can shout, freedom. True freedom is the power to do what's right. Jesus broke my chains, she says. He gave me the power to leave wildness behind and to start taking some steps in the right direction on the path to wisdom. Given my history, reading the Girls Gone Wise book wasn't easy. And she goes on to share how much of this particular book impacted her life. But do you hear that story? Her story then, living in freedom. Now look, 
my bondage and sinfulness, your particular bondage and sinfulness prior to knowing Christ may be different. You may identify with her heart and her desperation. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to have to connect with particular sins and yet some of us may, right? She referred to, to things like addiction and, and I think even that right to rule my life, that right. Okay, some of us even say, yay God, we know you're there, but I'm still going to run this show. Mm. Anyway, so, so, so that testimony was powerful, and that's why I shared it with you. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Guys, I know I need to shrink them down a bit, but I'm going to go ahead and read this passage this morning in its entirety uh, in, and then begin, okay? Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are, not, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. May God bless the reading of his word. I must have been out of my mind to think about, think about preaching a passage that long in the middle of the book of Romans. So here we go, living in freedom. Romans 8. We are halfway through the most powerful, inspired letter ever written. Paul raises this celebratory statement 
in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So picture it. For followers of Jesus, everyone in the courtroom is standing. The judge is seated in the center overlooking the room. Notice how I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with this, right? The verdict is being delivered, not guilty. There is no judgment against you. And you will not be sentenced because you have been declared not guilty. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every Christian in the room shouts for joy, knowing that one more person will join them for eternal life. This person has just been set free from the law of sin and death. So halfway through, halfway through this book of Romans, I want us to consider some things that are, so, so we've taken in a lot, okay, in the last several months. And I like to go back and connect to where we've already been. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward this morning. So hope you all had an extra cup of coffee, some Gatorade. I usually have a little bit of all that before <laughs> I get up here. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to move forward. So if you are taking some notes, you can jot this down. I'm going to give you a few points because if I don't give them to you up front, I'll speed right through them. You'll never get them. Verses uh, 1 through 4. Living in freedom is costly. Living in freedom is costly. Verses 1 through 4. Verses 5 through 8. Living in the flesh is costly. Living in the flesh is costly. Verses 9 through 11. Living in the spirit means assurance. Verses 12 and 13, I like this one, living debt-free. Mm. Living debt-free. And verses 14 through 17, living like children of God. All right. Somebody waves at me later on and you want me to repeat those, I will. So, the word spirit and Holy Spirit is used 22 times in this chapter alone. I think 15 of them are specifically regarding the Holy Spirit. A couple of them regarding little s, our spirit, or another type of spirit. But what Paul is celebrating in chapter 8 is our deliverance from the law of sin and death and our new life in Christ. Because remember, he says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in, the, in verses 2 and 3, there are these three laws, if you will. If you're looking at that now, the law of the Spirit, the law of sin and death, and the law. You see that. The law of the Spirit, simply put, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in raising Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit, who John says in his gospel, remember this in chapter 16, convicts us of sin, judgment, and righteousness. The Holy Spirit who guides us, fills us, and teaches us. So, in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit has set us free from another law. I know I'm guilty of it too. I put the article the in front of the Holy Spirit, and I have a friend who just says Holy Spirit, or not the Father, but Father. And, and I love when my friend Drew does that. Um, I guess he loves Jesus more than me. I don't know. But he says Holy Spirit. You know, personal. I don't say the Anthony or the Selena, right? And, and I love that my friend does that. Um, so, so the Holy Spirit guides us, fills us, and teaches us. So in Christ Jesus, 
The Holy Spirit has set us free from another law, the law of sin and death. Now, remember, Romans 3, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, right? You know this already. The wages of sin is death. Now, Romans 5, we've been there already, right? Paul says that because of the sin of one man, death came to all men. I always think, I still do, I always think, man, that just doesn't sound fair, does it? <laughs> but it is, and it happened. Due to one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So, prior to knowing Christ, this law of sin and death is active in us all. Okay? Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit, the law of sin and death, and then the law. The Ten Commandments in Exodus given by God to Moses on behalf of the children of Israel as part of their relationship with God, right? You know the Ten Commandments. Um, some of you could probably quote them. Some of us could probably say, wow, I think I've broken the majority of those. <laughs> maybe not all, but maybe. We know, so from what we have studied already, right, we know that the law is not bad. The law itself is not evil, right? Um, matter of fact, in Romans 7, we just finished that, right? Paul says, he states, the law is spiritual. It's good, it's holy, and it's righteous. The law makes me aware of my sinfulness and my need for God. If one was going to obtain salvation by the law, one would have to obey it flawlessly for his or her entire life, completely. Paul knew that was impossible. You and I know that that's impossible. The law cannot save us. So what did God do? God did, God did what we could not do. Verse 3 explains to us, and I love the way the Word of God says this here, God did what we can't do. He sent Jesus to die for us, to fulfill the law on our behalf. Christ came as a man. He was all man and he was all God. Romans 1 teaches us, right, you remember, that God will judge all ungodliness, he has to, and unrighteousness. If he is truly God, he must deal with sin. If he's just, if he's holy, if he's in charge, right? And the requirement of the law, this is a good part, the requirement of the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The penalty had to be paid. Someone had to pay the price. So our justification, our salvation, and we've talked about these words, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ was provided for us. Therefore, living in freedom is costly. It costs us nothing. It costs God everything. Right? Living in freedom is costly. It costs us nothing. Paul talks about the free gift, right, of salvation, the free gift that brings about our justification. But it costs us nothing. It costs God his son. So Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that the free gift is not like the transgression. Remember, for if by the sin of one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now, there's a guy, I love this guy, his name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's one of my heroes. 
he was a German pastor during uh, World War II. Um, and in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, if you have not read it, jot it down. Um, I think uh, I will always encourage everyone who ever hears me preach or teach that cost of discipleship should be basic Christian reading for all of us. He talks about cheap grace and costly grace. Yeah, this guy, he's a hardcore theologian, hardcore nerd. And then he risked his life, man, doing something heroic. He lost his life doing something heroic. I cannot, should not, take the forgiveness of my sins lightly. Because of the love of God, the free gift of eternal life and salvation has been extended to me. But I cannot forget or live as though it did not cost God everything. Yeah, and he goes into great detail and just kind of pours out his pastor theologian's heart in those two chapters in that book, Cheap Grace and Costly Grace. Oh, wow. Just impacted my life. And by the way, if you're wondering what he did, he was a pacifist when World War II started. He even came, another reason I like him is he came to America and he hung out. He hung out in New York City and he went to, all right, I'm, man, I'm off task now. So he, he went to this um, seminary and I won't name it right now, but he went there and he, they were so liberal theologically, he almost lost his mind. And then he went to one of the most um, famous African-American churches in New York City, uh, Abyssinian Baptist Church uh, in Harlem. And he heard, he heard them singing uh, the gospel spirituals and he fell in love and he ditched his program, what he was supposed to be doing, got in a car and traveled around the United States of America with his African-American friends, um, listening and learning um, about worship with his, with his African-American friends. I thought that was so cool uh, that he just fell in love with that, that gospel music and how his friends poured out their hearts in worship. So anyway, then he went home, participated in a plot to take out Hitler with his family members. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, I don't think it was related to his trip to the U.S. But, but he was a former pacifist, right? And uh, like just days before the war was over, he, he, he had got caught. Their plot was found out. He got caught. And um, just days before the war was over, he was executed by the Germans. Yeah, yeah. And some others lost their lives. Anyway, so hopefully, hopefully you'll be excited now about reading a little Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. All right. I digress. But in verses five through eight, we're going to see that living in the flesh is costly as well. If we look back to the last verse in Romans seven, Paul states that with his mind, he is serving the law of God and with his flesh, the law of sin. So we kind of have this juxtaposition in verse five, right? One is either in the spirit or in the flesh. This person that I believe Paul's talking about himself prior to knowing Christ, that's what I believe, this person is not yet a follower of Jesus. So number one, um, Paul says here in these verses, he is headed for death, eternal separation from God, hostile even towards God, does not put himself under God's authority, and as a matter of fact, cannot. In the flesh, separated from Jesus, you can't put yourself, I can't put myself under God's authority. And I cannot please God. 
This is the state of one who does not yet know the love of Christ and salvation. I think Paul describes it best in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And I was amazed. I was like, man, Paul, you're going hard in this letter, right? When I first started studying chapter 5 a long time ago, that in those little bit of verses, um, Paul says prior to knowing Christ that we are helpless, ungodly, we're sinners and enemies of God. Enemies of God. I'm like, ooh, Paul, that's harsh, man. And here he says, hostile towards God. Simply put, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground with God. One is either a child of God or an enemy of God. But aren't we glad for the buts in the Bible? I said that too. <laughs> because, yeah, the mindset on the spirit, the mindset on the spirit, the one who is living uh, in the spirit of life and peace, right? But Romans 5, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. When we were enemies, we were reconciled. We were made right with God, helpless and an enemy of Christ, and he died for me. Amen. So we see that living in the flesh is costly as well. If one wants to be in charge of one's own life and... Um, one is simply put uh, in my life prior to knowing Christ, an enemy, hostile towards God. Couldn't change that myself. But next in verses 9 through 11, there's another but in the Bible. So living in the assurance of the Spirit. Living in, however, or your Bible might say but, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So Paul says, and he says that because he's writing to a group of believers. He wants them to understand this is what life in the flesh is like, separated from God. This is who you used to be. But you guys, he's saying to the folks he's writing the letter to, the Roman Christians, but however, you are in the spirit. Okay, so this is encouraging. So we're at this pinnacle, this halfway point through the book of Romans. And this really, it doesn't sound like much of a celebration yet, but it is. Paul is saying there is no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And then he reminds them why, right? So living in the assurance of the Spirit, he says, you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. He reminds them of three things. Remember, in Romans 6, Paul says, our old self was crucified with Christ and our body of sin was done away with. These Roman believers were no longer slaves to sin. They had died to sin. I think last time we talked about this in detail, I think Morgan came up here and did that Zach Williams song, No Longer a Slave to Fear, and I was sitting in a chair crying. So you know what I did? Um, I played that video last week when I preached. I did, I did. So anyway, he says, so he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Secondly, secondly, because of Jesus, they possess the very righteousness of God. Because of Jesus, if you are his child, you possess the very righteousness of God. I always tell y'all, I, I thought my pastor was a heretic the first time he said that. But because of Jesus, right? Jesus saves you. The very righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed. It is, it is given to you. When God looks down at you, if you're his child, you're his follower, you're saved, he sees you through as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's not just good theology. That would change your day. 
that will change your week. And we need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that more often. Amen. So, um, and because of that, thirdly, you have eternal life. Look, I'm no longer 25, 30 years old. Eternity gets more and more attractive the older you get. The longer you're on <laughs> the longer you're on earth, the more attractive eternity becomes. Okay? I'm just saying. When I was 20, 25, I'm I'm gonna live forever. I wasn't worried about anything. Now I got this list of important things I want to do, right? Right? And I better do some of them right now. Yeah. So, so Paul is reassuring that these believers, and you remember, I love this in Romans 5 too, that they are standing in God's grace and that will not change. Nothing will change that for you, follower of Jesus. If you are standing in God's grace now, you'll be standing in God's favor. You'll have God's favor for eternity. So he's reassuring them. Directly related to this point is the next one in verses 12 and 13. He says, you are living debt-free. Mm. Like that? I like that. I was, I was fiscally irresponsible when I was a young man. Um, ask Diane, she'll tell you stories about things that I did, like buying new trucks and putting them in the driveway <laughs> and surprising every, don't ever do that, y'all. But, but so this idea of living debt-free, um, you know, credit card debt, not, that's not what we're talking about, of course, but, but you know what? Debt will weigh you down, won't it? Owing somebody something can weigh you down. If we owe somebody a whole bunch of something, it really weighs us down, right? And I, was th- I had no idea that being debt-free could be so exciting. When she finally convinced me of that, and, and we did it like together, right? Um, not kicking and screaming. When we did it together, I was so excited to be debt-free. Um, and to not have that weight, right? Well, that's what Jesus, that's what Paul is saying here to these believers uh, in this next couple of verses. He says, what does this mean? This means that these believers don't owe the flesh anything. Man, that was so enlightening to me when I thought about it the way Paul really meant it. Through the Holy Spirit, you have put the deeds of the flesh, the body, you put them to death through the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, these Roman believers were overcomers, amen? And so are you. As a person in recovery, this is very important to me, this, this principle, my flesh no longer owns me. Sometimes I may forget that because I still inhabit it, but it no longer owns me. Your flesh, follower of Jesus, no longer owns you. That's very important theologically, but that's very important practically that... Your flesh no longer owns you. I can have victory over the hurts, habits, and hang-ups of this life. Addiction is bondage. So many live life bound by guilt, fear, and shame. I know we talk about these, but we talk about these because it's so important. The devil will like to use these to keep you down in your life. All of us experience some guilt, fear, and shame. Not all guilt is bad guilt, by the way. But, um, don't go down a rabbit hole. So, But out of those three, one of those is more prominent in you. And and I even spent some time reading, praying, and really attempting to identify that. And I've shared this with you. I couldn't figure out if if I was guilt or shame. 
You know, guilt says I did something wrong and I feel bad. And some of us really guilt ourselves into, yeah. But guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with me. So then I, when, when my friend said that to me, the light went on. I knew I was shamed. And I felt like so long that something was wrong with me. And, of course, you know, what the Bible says, oh, that's just not true. And, and I am trying to live life today not being bound up in that shame. So I can have victory, and so can you. Um, he says, I am a child of God. So in the last verses here, living like children of God. So finally, we have this beautiful, rich picture of what it means to be God's child. Believe these last um, five verses really are a sermon in and, of the, in and of themselves. I already told you guys, Piper preached 13 sermons on Romans 7, and I preached two. Lord only knows how many sermons he preached on Romans chapter 8. We're just, can't mess with Piper, right? So, so everything about me is new and different. I have literally been adopted by God through salvation in Jesus Christ. So here again, we also have, like we did before, we have three more spirits, all right? We have the spirit of slavery, spirit of adoption, and again, the Holy Spirit. So we can cry out to God, and the Spirit confirms with us that we are truly God's children because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So we're heirs and we're co-heirs with Christ. Um, I thought this was worth sharing. John B. Song writes in uh, Table Talk magazine, For Paul to declare that those who were once slaves to sin were adopted was an influential message. And here is why. The slave metaphor was personal to many people back then. Furthermore, when a person was adopted, a change in commitment was expected. It was the norm then to carry the name, estate, and religion of your adoptive family. It was a new lineage. The notion that they had been brought into the household of God through adoption was transformative. I'll continue, here's why. They were not simply freed slaves who were often considered only slightly better than slaves who were still in bondage. Even a manumitted slave who, who amassed great wealth still faced class restrictions back then. So, when Paul states that the Christians were not simply freed, but adopted, they understood that they had received greater privileges. You're no longer just not, you're not, just not a slave anymore. You're a part of the family. You weren't just set free. You were set free and brought into a new family, your forever family. And then he talks about the benefits of that, that you have an inheritance, that you are an heir, that you have all of the privileges that family affords. Your inheritance are the eternal riches of living in the presence of God in heaven forever. You, you get to hang out with Jesus and be in his presence. You have a daddy who loves you. And if you, and I shared this, I had, I had kids in my youth groups over the years who didn't have daddies growing up. And I said, Jesus, I said, because of Jesus, God is going to be your forever daddy. 
God is going to stand in the gap and be your forever daddy. And I have one girl in particular, Emily. I'll never forget Emily because a lot of kids, they took heart, they took heart in that over the years. But Emily really took heart in that. And she internalized. She had a cruddy daddy. And when she was really young, her mama, her mama packed her up. And with all good reasons, they left. And for all good reasons, they left. And Emily was heartbroken. Emily really lived in the reality that God was her forever daddy now when she got saved. Um, and I still, I still talk about her after all these years. So, so again, I, I think, um, are we living the Spirit-filled life, walking closely with Jesus, and enjoying the assurance that you too will someday be raised to eternal life? As a matter of fact, I think I missed this, but when he says in verse 6 that the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, it is not that you will have a peaceful life because, you know, sometimes there are seasons of life that are not particularly peaceful and, and you know Jesus, so you would be scratching your head. You know, you know what it is? You are at peace with God. Remember Romans 5, you are no longer God's enemy. You are no longer hostile towards God. You are at peace with your former enemy. Not only are you at peace with God, but he has adopted you into his family and made you his child. He didn't just free you to go do what you want. He freed you and adopted you. Amen. So you are part of God's forever family. But that life and peace in verse 6 is eternal life. And a peace as in no longer at war with God. Man, I love that. I almost missed it. And so, so you say, Charlie, what are the practical applications of living in the Spirit? The Bible says walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because you are no longer enslaved to uh, the flesh and to sin, but you still are living in this body. Paul talks in another letter about this body being like a tent, and we groan because in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, this perishable someday will put on imperishable. You know, we will have a glorified eternal body. But right now, um, for the remaining time that we are here on this earth, you live in this flesh, but it no longer owns you if you're a follower of Jesus, and you don't owe it anything. Amen? Amen? Regarding sin. So the application is for me that whatever sin it is that chases me around and keeps me down, it doesn't own me. The victory's already been won. I need to simply live into the victory that's already been won. Amen. Now that does talk. Now we can talk about living in the Spirit, right? If I'm going to live in the Spirit... And you read in Galatians chapter 5, but living in the flesh, we do these things. I don't have to read it. You can read the list yourself and get depressed if you want to. You know what they are. And you know the ones that chase you around the most, right? Right. But it says, be filled with the Spirit. Those who are living in the Spirit, right? Was, um, I wasn't going to. I will read them in Galatians chapter 5. I'll even read them in the proper order instead of trying to quote them to you. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of walking in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Why? Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So 
You no longer owe the flesh anything because of Jesus. So walk in that. Live in that. But there is the obedience factor. The more I read the word, the more I'll be walking in the spirit and living in the spirit. Um, what did that quote say? I shared it with some folks the other day. Um, a praying man stops sinning. A sinning man stops praying. That was the one. Yeah, that really impacted my life last week. Why? If I'm going to be walking in the spirit, I'm going to be talking to the Lord, talking to the Holy Spirit, talking to Jesus, right? I can do this. And the days that I live successfully, I don't even like that word, the days that, that I enjoy that victory are the days that I'm walking in the spirit are the days when I've spent some time with the Lord. It just is, right? Uh, my obedience doesn't save me, but my obedience is part of having this victory in my daily walk. So, but again, living in the spirit, living in the spirit. Um, I just want to encourage you today that if you are saved and you are God's child, the war has already been won. The victory is already yours. You don't owe the flesh anything. So you can tell Satan no. You can tell people no. And you don't have to live in that fear, guilt, and shame of whatever sin it is that chases you around this week, today, an hour after you leave here. The devil, the devil is a liar, right? He will, come, he, he will try to come for you. He can't have you, but he will like to throw some dirt on you. And living in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. So I just want to encourage you there this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.